Welcome to Team Me. I'm Kenzie. And I'm Terry. We're back. Hey, we are after a, kind of a wild weather ride. A lot of snow, a lot of ice. Um, you dealt with a lot of power outages, which four, four days. you weren't really able to do some research. And <laughs> <laughs> No, it was uh, the biggest trauma of all. It was just making sure of finding ways to keep the phone recharged and the battery on the phone isn't that great. So that got challenging until a nice neighbor uh, let us get a uh, extension cord with his um, generator next door. Oh, really? So most of that went to the phone. Uh, we tried the refrigerator for a while, but that was a lost cause. So you have to throw everything away. Well, we didn't have much so. oh, <laughs> we well, before we went go. grocery shopping. So, yay, that was a win. Perfect place to start. <laughs> that was. Yeah, that was uh, good. So, yeah, anyway, yeah, not a lot of research, uh, a lot of ice, tons of tree limbs around here. And so that's getting all cleaned up. We're back at it now. We are. We're here and we're ready to share about Van Halen and Dirk Bentley. Yeah, yeah. So that will be fun. I'm excited. Yeah. I am too. Yeah, there's an interesting mix I thought we had for uh, this episode here. Um, what have you been doing? Yeah. Have you been listening to good tunes? Honestly, just looking at my music. <laughs> not really. <laughs> not really. <laughs> I've Musically not really devoid. exciting. Well, I've been doing a lot of just like organizing my music. And so I've been putting like all of my songs on shuffle and then like unliking all the ones that like i never actually listened to oh so it's been a lot of like decluttering if anything um and then i've also just been listening to the weekend a lot after the super bowl i thought and he was so, good i, I thought I he thought did he a good a job i know he got criticized I, I didn't understand yeah they, they raked him over the coals on twitter a lot of you know i didn't see they were way more way more criticism than there was praise and i came away going you know that was just kind of a straightforward they didn't bring out britney spears or somebody in the middle of it and just he did it well, they're always like i liked it what was it um i don't know a couple years ago with it was um adam levine and then there was like the random dude from like I don't know. It was like, and here is the drummer from this other band, you know, and you're like, we don't need all of these random mm -hmm. special guests, even if that applies to a special niche, like I think they'll be okay. And so, yeah, I thought he did a great job. He played the hits, sounded fantastic. And he gave a great show too. So, yeah, I, I was actually on Super Bowls. I was reading about Bon Jovi and the band and they've been approached several times to do it but they always wanted to you know have that extra rap star come in or somebody you know a country star or somebody from a different genre to do something and they're like no we just want to play as a band and uh so literally yeah so we've turned they've turned it down they just go we just don't want any part of it okay i didn't know that you had to pay to perform at the <laughs> super bowl did you know that I, i've heard that i was like how's like yeah, we can pay like three million dollars or something and i'm like Seems i guess you get a around. return of like popularity you know like i started listening to him that day you know it's like yeah i, I listened to his old stuff but like haven't sure. really listened to a lot of his new albums so it's like i'm sure in terms of like streaming or whatever but mm -hmm. i just didn't know that i was like oh interesting i think it's what about you been waning but 
and on people wanting to do that but oh you know what i've been listening to you know i still been kind of doing the joe satriani thing but um but uh i decided you know I, I need to kind of yeah get a life and so i <laughs> dug back have you ever heard of peter frampton frampton peter Fram okay. no. you have not <laughs> <laughs> peter frampton was a big deal in the mid 70s but he's been going on he just didn't have any major hits probably after 1980 or something like that but he's just been Oh, just had a steady following, but you just didn't hear much of Peter Frampton on the radio. Uh, after his seventies, he had this live album that actually the hits came off the live album. It was kind of rare, but um, anyway, I've been, so there's all these albums. I've never listened to uh, Peter Frampton hmm. and more live albums with newer stuff. And, and uh, what so kind anyway. of music is it? Oh, uh, you know, it's rock. Um, yeah. Just, just a genre of rock. It's, there's a few heavies in there, but not a it's not all heavies and he does a lot of different things. And so, yeah, it's been kind of fun just to go back and listen. And I guess he has a, a nerve condition or something where he's going to lose mobility in his hands. And so he, oh, his last tour was probably 2018 or 19 or somewhere in there. And, and he thought maybe that might be his last. And so he's gone on to this, like I have all this music, all these musical ideas and he was just recording and pumping out albums, I think is his goal. I think he, he hasn't put wow. many out yet, but I think he's got a ton of recording done. There's an instrumental coming out, and I think he's got different types of music. Anyway, he's just got all these ideas, and he's a pretty fascinating guy. So anyway, That's i just so been cool. uh, digging back into Peter Frampton. I'm, I've missed uh, two decades or so of it, and so I thought, well, I have the time. So, Good old Peter Frampton. Yeah. So anyway, that's what I've been doing. Well. I guess we can get going then. You're going to go first talking about um, Dirk Bentley, but I did want to reiterate that our choices today, um, after we talk about our people, we're going to be doing our um, guilty pleasure artists. And so we kind of just like created our own little definition of what that means to us, I think, because I don't really think it has to be anything specific. But I'm very curious to see who you give me because I'm excited to for us to potentially step out of the box a little bit. Yeah, it's the one, yeah, you know, I've kind of gone back and forth. Oh, you know, and I, I could change my mind here still, but you really do. We'll talk about it at the end, okay? Yeah. Because now, now you say that. Oh my goodness. Well, I won't. <laughs> I've I've won't really been it. thinking about this a lot. It's and I don't been tough. Yeah, I, I didn't it was way harder than I thought, but Anyway, let's talk about Dirks. All right. Well, okay. I'll go into this first. This won't have a lot of meaning to you, but it does me. Okay. Yeah. So when you said Dirks Bentley, and I've heard of him before, okay, this was, you know, and I've seen the CMA awards and he's probably come on and sang half a dozen times. I watched that. He's probably sang. I just, oh, okay. And uh, I just didn't know anything about him more than anything. And well, there was a character in a book, a series of books I used to read. You ever heard of the Hitchhiker's Guy of the Galaxy? Yeah. Well, there, that was the, actually, well, there were four books in the trilogy. That's a whole nother story. And then, <laughs> but, and then, then the, the author, Douglas Adams, went into a whole new series called Dirk, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. And it was a trilogy. And that was Dirk Gently was the uh, main character. Uh. This is before Dirk Bentley even got famous. He was, when was he born? I think Dirk, Dirk Bentley was uh, probably born in, I think, 75 or so. So, yes, yeah. um, he was alive, but he was a child. So 
there's not much more comparison than that similarity. than a similarity name. Yeah. And so I've had a hard time, even before you assign this, when I've heard of Dirk's Bentley, I go to Dirk, Dirk, Dirk gently. gently. And I, or, Ew, yeah, I Dirk, don't like that. Dirk gently. And so, yes. And it, it's been a source of, uh, I don't <laughs> know, confusion. There's a good chance I'll mess the name up here just because of that. And now that we've okay. talked about it even more, they're so. interchangeable at this point. Yeah. So anybody, any Douglas Adams off the author, Douglas Adams fans, you'll know what I'm talking about, but <laughs> out there. So, there's, so there's anyway, let's different. talk about Dirk's B. So he's the classic story of never giving up on your dream. That was kind of my takeaway theme from him, you know, kind of the big idea. You know, he's really okay. worked hard to create and play music that he's dreamed of. And I, I admire that I, as I was learning more about him. I listened to him on Dak Shepard, uh, watched some videos and did some reading about him and just listening to his music. Uh, so I have a lot of admiration of somebody who really starts, doesn't really have any, um, but just starts from the ground up. And works really hard at what he, he wants one of those yeah and so you know he's born in phoenix hmm. but you don't consider phoenix arizona as like this country mecca although i guess it is more than we think if we're not from there so people in arizona you know more about that than us so anyway uh dirk says it is there's more going on hmm. there and there's a few country stars from phoenix i can't remember who besides him and so anyway he goes by his middle name did you know his first name is frederick I did not. So the Frederick Bentley probably didn't fly as a stage name. And so he went with Dirks. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. I would go by Dirks too. Yeah. And so, so yeah, anyway, he came from this non-musical family, uh, you know, as far as people playing music and that type of thing. It wasn't like everybody's, you know, uh, singing and playing instruments around his house. Yeah. And like that. He didn't come from that. So but he did listen to country music with his father. And, uh, you know, and he was a heavy metal fan, too, as a kid. And, you know, you know, so he'd be listening to some classic country, but then he'd crank on the Black Sabbath or Metallica and all that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he was kind of interchangeable. And around 13, he uh, taught, his, taught himself how to play the guitar. So, wow. yeah, self-taught. And then at age 17, uh, it was either a family member or a friend, introduced him to Hank Williams Jr. Have you ever heard of Hank Williams Jr.? I have. Pretty hardcore country guy yeah you know. like the og kind of stuff yeah he's just a real deal and so he got introduced to hank williams jr also uh alan jackson you probably heard of him mm -hmm. a guy named marty stewart i didn't ever heard of him mm -mm, I've no. heard of that either. but anyway he got introduced to those but williams i think just all of a sudden did it for him and he goes and when he heard hank williams jr played a few albums he's just like that's what i want to do and that's really of music you know i want to base my music off of that uh -huh. and that made sense listening especially during his early albums i was like not that i knew a lot of milt williams but i'd been exposed to enough of it that yeah yeah, yeah he's kind of got, got the that. gist of it mm -hmm. so i guess he's kind of a i don't know not a bad boy but just a, a little wild wild character when he was younger, even like 11, 13. And so his mom sent him to military school. And he said that kind of squared him away a little bit. And, you know, and really? thing you know, he's, you know, doing hospital corners on his bed. 
you know, <laughs> sneaking out and you know, <laughs> hanging everything up in the closet, you know, make, doing all those things at military school you got to do uh-huh. that kind of shape you for a long time. Right. So, so yeah. So anyway, he did that. And uh, eventually he moved to Nashville. You felt like, you know, obviously Phoenix probably wasn't going to be the place that he fulfills his dream for country music. And so moved to Nashville at age 19, you know, so he's been singing a little bit and playing guitar and self-taught so he went there and then he got discouraged he just didn't get much attention as a musician i don't know he was like he's playing some bars and wherever you know you can do those things so so one night he walked into this bar and there was this all-night jam session and i think it might have just been you know where you just jump on stage or something and anyway he just got this new motivation new new motivation it just uh, went, went really well and so he kind of got, yeah, I'm jazzed up about this again. And so you got to work a job working at TNN. I think it's the Nashville network, hmm, uh, okay. researching classic country music and gave him exposure to other musicians. So he actually, and executives and, you know, you're just out there amongst, you know, amongst people and he's actually talking to other country stars or other musicians from other genres and too, and mm-hmm. so forth that were, had some relation to that, to that place. And, and then while he was doing that, he was working on his own demos, kind of moonlighting on that after when, you know, when he wasn't working and making the demos. And then, you know, one thing came to another with his connections and he landed a recording contract in 03. And that launched his career. And so he's, he's kind of a bit of, a, especially young, you know, in his younger years, you know, he's got a family and all that stuff now. But, you know, it was kind of uh, he would work really hard and then he was kind of into the party, party country scene down there you know where that that was kind of a big deal his uh, personality and music were quite reminiscent of people and musical taste when i was in southeast texas and i was just in this big time country scene down there it was either classic rock or heavy country and so the heavy countryside mm-hmm. when i was down there you know i think i mentioned this in another episode but it just blew me away because up here where we live it, it's actually there's more of a country following i think now than when i was growing up it was kind of rare and so i think it's just become more mainstream honestly exactly and it was just you know kind of that really pegged out country back then (laughs) and we used to make fun of it i'll be honest and you know it was just like well i mean a lot of people still do yeah it was a pretty not everybody's favorite genre And so, but yeah, you know, his music has those roots in it, but of course he's kind of molded it into his own, but it, you know, when I was down mm-hmm. in Texas, it just reminded, he reminded me of just kind of the guys that were down there that were they're in their young twenties at the time. And, uh, it's kind of that whole culture. And, uh, uh-huh. so yeah. So anyway, I like his advice as he was starting to make a name for himself and putting out his albums. You know, and like musicians, you know, and this happens with every musician band and they get some hits in concert. Fans expect those to be played and they come totally. away disappointed no matter, you know. And so some of these artists, you know, they have to play this over their career, you know, 20,000 times, you know. Right. So he's like, make sure you can pick a hit you can live with. So it was something he thought That's of. That's good. Was like, <laughs> yeah. If it's a hit. I like that. 20 years later, will I still like to play this or will I hate the song? You know, <laughs> you know, I've no, heard some so bands true. say they hate this particular song that everybody else loves, or they just love this song, hit song 
and they play it over and it's always new, you know? And so, well, I think about that whenever I go to a concert and let's say they play like their newest album and I'm like, no, like play the, the hits. And I'm like, they probably are so tired of that. (laughs) If they have a new album, they're probably more excited about it than I am. Like, I don't know. I just forget about that. And, And so I'm, I like his advice. That's actually kind of funny. Yeah. I thought that was good. So, um, so yeah, his music was much like you had hinted on in our previous episode at toward the end there. And it's kind of a more hard, not super hardcore, but in especially the early years, a little bit more of a rougher mm-hmm. edge country music. And then it kind of gets a more contemporary feel, but he doesn't sell out to that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was kind of wondering, oh, is he going to be Keith Urban by 2018? And Get all poppy and stuff. Yeah, and I, which I like Keith. I'll be honest. I listen to this. is That's one of the musicians you've kind of grown on me quite a bit. No, I listened, yeah, Keith is great. I listened on my own. I really like it. But, so I was wondering, okay, does he turn into Keith Urban by 2018 or right. something like that? And I go, no, not really. You know, you could kind of get a little, he was getting a little bit more polished, but mm, he wasn't selling out to it. He's clinging to his roots, which is uh, admirable. Yeah. And so, yeah, anyway, it's, it's, um, yeah, I just say yeah, Keith balances the country sound with pop rock. And then I was making these comparisons. I don't know if anybody else does, but I, I <laughs> that's where I went. And you know, Dirk Pegg's more on the countryside for the most part, always seems to resonate there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, O three got the self-titled LP. That was just a, more points in my book for Dirks, <laughs> you know, when you do a self-titled LP. That's kind of had this little mini perm bro thing going. Or I, I yeah, <laughs> he looked just different. Yeah, he did uh, have the perm bro. Kind of, if he kept going, he would be Bob Ross or something. If he just kept I, going with it, I agree. I, I can yeah, picture it, and I, yeah. that's so funny. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, so he got into the album and tour, album tour pattern, um, doing a lot of touring and did the modern day Drifter LP. Oh, I should say in 03 at a hit too. What was I thinking? Yeah. 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 That was his like mm-hmm. starter. Yeah. Well, I didn't want to leave that out. And so modern day Drifter second album was really inspired by the real classics of uh, Merle Haggard and Waylon Jennings, you know, Heavy mm-hmm. hitters from the 70s and 80s on the country scene. And and it really reflects that in the LP. You, you know, those those roots shine. Yeah. Quite Real brightly. twangy. Yeah. And so, you know, I didn't, I listened to it and then kind of moved on. I was like, okay. I, I knew there was a metamorphosis of sorts happening, coming. And so I thought, let's, let's, let's learn about this. So yeah, I can't say that I know those albums too well, like his early on. I don't yeah, I wasn't going to sit there and hit repeat and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. I just I want to get an idea. And so 06, the Long Trip Home LP was out, a little bit more polished and commercial, but, you know, like I said, still sticking to the country roots. And then he, in 09, he had the Feel the Fire LP. So you can, you know, he's got four albums in six years, mm-hmm. so he's cranking them out. And then in 2010, he did a Bluegrass LP called Up on the Ridge. And oh, yeah. uh, I'll tell you, I'm not a bluegrass fan. Um, even Tommy Shaw Sticks did a bluegrass album. Oh, um, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. It's one his grandma likes or something. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and I listened to that one time and I thought, what, you know, fantastic musicianship, but just that, that was about it. Not for you. Yeah. So, you know, 
great for grandmothers and bluegrass fans and alike and that type of thing that genre it's great big grandma vibes yeah you want to, you always impress your grandmother so yeah um 20 <laughs> that's how you do it <laughs> 2012 no 2012 yes it is the home lp he had a lot of songs going on in that time he was oh gosh i think he this is the one where he had like I've got 84 songs. I don't know what to do. I got to get, I got to oh my goodness. get it down to 12 or something like that. And he's got all these songs laying around. And so he road tested these. So these had actually had played previously out in the road. Kind of like what you're saying. Um, got a new one. Uh-huh. And so he road tested them and they seemed to, you know, that helped him narrow it down of the ones that not that I, he played 84 new songs on tour, but <laughs> I'm sure, you know, uh, but I'm sure, uh, you know, he was testing the ones out and tossed a few out that people kind of go, eh, I'm going to go to the bathroom. So, um, yeah. So th- he got into some duets and collaborations. And this seems to be a country thing, isn't it? Do it collaborations and duets. They like to collaborate a lot. Yeah. I've noticed several country yeah. artists kind of do that. They all kind of are buddy, buddy. And hey, I'll be on your album. They got to stick mine. together. Yeah. So, so there's some on there. I can't remember who but and there's some duets and collaborate i didn't have a slightest idea who it was but uh so he had so many songs that he put out the coal no no it's called the country and cold cans ep it's a little smaller album mm-hmm. and it had a few more songs he self-funded that but then this is kind of the period where you tell me if i if you think i'm accurate on this this is where he kind of went into a whole nother level, changed his music maybe a little bit, or just got more popular. In, yeah, in I feel like the riser. Well, LP, I guess you, you know, haven't talked 14. about it. Yeah, that's kind of when I really started to be able to like, like choose my own music. Like, and I thanks to probably like streaming and stuff because most of my country upbringing i guess was just from like country radio mm-hmm. so i always like knew of Dirk bentley and stuff but i feel like the riser album was when i was able to like fully you know like listen to an album online and you know like put it on my ipod or whatever it was at the time so yeah that was kind of that era for me yeah it almost seemed like a trilogy of albums to me that uh they seem to have more in common so i like the title riser that was just mm-hmm. kind of a cool album and he's got yeah. hits on this i hold on bourbon in kentucky uh drunk on a plane and Classic. say you do and so i watched the video of drunk on a plane <laughs> did you see that isn't it funny <laughs> yeah i love that video which is a good segue as uh, you know most people have probably seen it that care you know and when he he flies the plane at the end yeah he really, he's a real pilot <laughs> He's licensed. He like to, actually flew it. Well, I don't know if he flew that because you know that one's probably not that exact plane. But that represents, I think, him being a pilot, or at least in part. Uh, and I can go a jump ahead here. He has a, um, yeah, he's he's licensed for a twin-engine planes, and he says his interest in it is a control thing. Just I control oh. the plane. And then he's competitive too. He's like, I can fly this, you know. This, this is, is like a masculinity this. thing. Yeah, yeah like... I think it is. It really is. And 
yeah. the way he was describing this. And so he owns a Cirrus SR-22 plane. And uh, so oh, looked, my favorite. Yes, absolutely. I was going to thought it was. <laughs> and so that, I thought you'd be interested um, <laughs> as we all are, but uh, um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's some big hits on that. I, um, so I watched a few videos one night, just kind of binged on videos. And there's the other one that was one of his new songs. I think it's gone. His mm -hmm. new single. And that's the one where he's uh, like in uh, TV shows. He's watching oh, I, have, I don't think I've seen it. Oh, yeah. It's pretty good. He's actually a, a little scene from The Office. Oh. That's from our uh, seen, little promo. He, yes. I've seen him in that costume, but I don't think I've actually watched the video. Yeah. So, yeah, he's in these different scenes from movies favorite movies and things like that but uh -huh. but they're all like they go wrong like you know instead of being the hero he ends up getting killed or something oh, no. you know <laughs> eaten by he was eaten by a monster you know or something trying to uh -huh. save buddy or i don't know what it was you know but it was just he's just kind of looking like what <laughs> he's seeing himself <laughs> and all these things just aren't yeah. going right in the character and he's supposed to be the hero or something and Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, that's pretty funny. So yeah, he had some good, good, pretty good videos and stuff. So yeah, anyway, let's see. Yeah, 20, 2016, kind of on this title. Another kind of a cool title, just one word. I kind of like one word mm -hmm. titles for albums too. If it's not self-titled, one word's kind of cool. Uh, right. So this one's Black LP. Black. I love this album. Yeah, it had Somewhere on a Beach. And uh, I don't remember what else is on that, but uh, that was a good album. Yeah, I enjoyed that. It's kind of just steady. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how That's he is. That's one of those albums like I can kind of remember like I can pinpoint in my life where I would like listen to that all ah, the time. Okay. Um, so just it, I just really liked it, but it is kind of a steady, easygoing album. He's got the mountain, the LP, the mountain, mm -hmm. women, amen. <laughs> so and living. Oh yeah. Yeah, and Burning mm -hmm. Man. That's a good song. That might be my favorite. I like that song a lot. That's a, that might be my favorite. Yeah. That was a good song. That was actually the first song. I, I think I started new. I didn't start at the very beginning. And then I, I think I went, I started on the new, that album actually. And then I think I jumped. No, I worked backwards for a while. And then I worked forwards and met somewhere in the middle is what I did. And so Burning <laughs> Man was the first song I heard. But I think that's my favorite. That's the one with featuring Brothers Osborne, right? Yes, it features somebody I'd never heard of. And so uh, I think you actually would I don't think I'd give this to you as a like a thing. Um mm -hmm. as a I can't even think of whatever we do here. Um but <laughs> I don't I would never give you Brothers Osborne because I don't know if they have a lot of past. I think you'd really like them. I suggest you go Brothers Osborne. look them up. They've got Thank a you. very interesting tune to them. I actually oh. really like them. Okay. I might check that out. Yeah. Well, I've seen that and I go, I don't know who this is, but um, it was yeah, no, apparently cool. it was a big deal. So, yeah. Um, but no, what it, it worked. I thought it was really good. I like yeah. the song. Do you know he's got a side project? No. He does. Oh, wait. Is this the the hot country nights or Absolutely, whatever it is. yeah yeah nights like ki night and shining armor yeah i i forgot about it until this moment yeah yeah the hot country nights they're an homage to country rock of the 90s and, and they have stage names it's his road band i guess with 
stage they have stage names so i should have looked it up or what they were now that i think about that but you know yeah so i don't know the hot country nights i don't know their stage names but i follow dirk bentley on instagram so i've seen just like tidbits here and there i've seen their outfits and like just have you looked them up I did a little bit. I was listening on Dak Shepard and he was talking about it a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. yeah so I forgot they, about that. Yeah. They're just kind of funny. Like, they've just got really comical songs. And I don't know. It's just kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. That he has that side thing going on. And so, and he um, also has a new single out, too. And I think I just mentioned this. Yeah, it was with the video called Gone. Mm-hmm. No, he's got a new album coming out. Oh, yay. Yeah. So at some point, like every other artist, they're trying to figure out when to release it. Right. Time it with a tour if they ever can go on tour in this, this right. year or not and all that. Uh, so, yeah, I also watched a couple live performances. And so I was expecting just with his personality, like, this guy's like mega party. Yeah, this is a giant party on stage. And he really isn't. No, he's, just, he's a pretty chill guy. Yeah, he's just kind of chilled out and I'm playing tunes and playing the guitar. And he might, woo, yeah, okay, you know. This, yeah. But, all right, how you doing? Great. Okay, let's play the next song. Um, but it's just, you know, pretty steady force and the, the music just kind of uh, builds up, but he's not real flamboyant on the stage or anything. And that's not a knock. It's just who he is. He's just, yeah. just kind of solid performance. You know, and he went down at the end and selfie did a selfie with somebody. That was the wildest thing he did. Oh, crazy! Took a selfie with somebody at the end of the concert <laughs> on his hands and knees down there doing that. But um, oh my god! But that you know that was probably about as you know, as wild as it got. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was just a good. It would be a good solid concert to go to. You know, you would just. Uh, I don't know. You wouldn't leave unhappy. Yeah. But if you're expecting no, think... him to crawl up onto the to the risers and jump off thing, the amps and things like that, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Right. Doesn't do those things. <laughs> it's maybe that he saves it for the hot country nights, you know? Yeah, well, and then he could. Better. It'd be interesting to watch that. I, I should have done that, but anybody out there, if you're so inclined that that might be a good thing to do to kind of see if exactly. there's another side of him. But uh, yeah. there you go. So yeah, talked about his piloting uh, for interesting facts. Uh, he loves the outdoors. He takes his family out there. He went to two colleges. He went to the University of Vermont. And he was, you know, he still had these aspirations of a country. It's just kind of where he got in and what he wanted to do at the time. And yeah, and he got to Vermont and he said it's like minus 22 there and <laughs> in the winter. And, and uh, Vermont's very pretty from what I understand. I would like to visit it. But, you know, it just didn't work for trying to be a, an aspiring country musician in the winter right. in sub-zero temperatures and stuff so um he went there for a year and it's like eh, i gotta go back down to nashville and he went to mm -hmm. the university of vanderbilt in nashville cool and, uh, so he went there and i guess during concerts you know he loves tailgating and so sometimes <laughs> he'll wander out into the parking lot before the concert uh -huh. and go visit tailgaters are you serious? Yeah, he just kind of goes out there and hey, how you doing? Hangs out. <laughs> yeah, just kind of see who's tailgating and yeah. Oh my gosh, Chatting how fun! People. I can you imagine he rolls up to your car and you're like, 
<laughs> like, what do you do? like do you want a beer <laughs> like yeah. I feel like I would just be inadequate at that point I'd be like I'm sorry I only have this one you know like I don't know <laughs> to impress him um let's see he was a hockey fan he's a hockey fan of course he's from Phoenix and now you know so you don't think of a person from Phoenix they do have an NHL team down there though Phoenix Coyotes so they do play hockey down there but you know obviously you're not the type you know he's not from uh, manitoba canada skating on ponds or anything so he's skating in malls you know right <laughs> down in arizona but um so anyway he's been a avid hockey fan he takes hockey his hockey gear with him and you know he's in nashville and they have a hockey team there so i guess it's popular hmm. but so yeah and then i wasn't really aware of how the grand old opry works do you know much about that i'm here and there yeah not well he's the third youngest member next to carrie underwood and josh turner so at age 29 i think you just get like invited to it yeah like you don't get to like sign up to play there yeah so he uh age 29 he's the third youngest member to get invited to the grand old opry wow that's cool yeah and then the uh kind of cool thing we chatted about slightly is He's got a song that's also a Van Halen album title. So I it that is. 5150. And I just thought that was a great segue to go into Van Halen. <laughs> so, well, it's but, funny but, because yeah. I was reading that. And see, it's funny that you say 5150 because when I was reading, I, I didn't realize that that's how people say it. Um, Because the Dirk Bentley song is 5150. Right. And so in my head, I'm like 5150. And then I don't know, it doesn't matter too much, but I was like, oh, these are like not like they're the same thing, but like, I don't know. So yeah, Van Halen. Yeah. Well, I just uh, want to end here just saying I really. Oh, I sorry. I thought that was my. <laughs> when they, it was, but I, I didn't quite plan that out as well as I thought. Your final but, remarks. But I need a go. final remark. I can't go. We can't do this until I do that. But no, I just I, I enjoyed it. It was good. It was a good exposure, good. and uh, you know, it, it it's hard, a little hard, a little more peg country than I would uh, listen to all the time. But I really liked it, especially like those three, you know, three most recent albums. You know, mm -hmm. those are good. I just like the guy. Yeah, he's, he's just uh, a cool guy, just steady and not. No, I was gonna say. I don't know why, but I feel like if you guys like met in real life, I feel like you guys would be friends. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no. He just like, I kind of listened to like a little bit of the Dax Shepard mm -hmm. podcast again to kind of mm -hmm. like refresh myself on who I was giving you. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I only listened to like five minutes of it, but I feel I was like, oh, they just like have similar energy. I feel like they would get along. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought it was a pretty cool guy and he got some cool songs. And so. Yeah. That's good. I'm glad. Cool. I, uh, it really helps me clear up his name versus the uh, book character, too. Yeah, that's true. And you didn't mess it up once. I didn't, did I? No. I'm proud of you. Well, let's hear about Van Halen. Van Halen. Um. Well, we'll just start from the beginning. It's two brothers, Alex Van Halen and Eddie Van Halen. And they're two years apart. Um, Eddie's just two years older. And um, they were born in the Netherlands in Amsterdam and their father was a musician and he was Dutch. And then their mother was Indonesian. And I thought that was very 
I don't know, just like a very interesting mix. Um, and I wasn't sure later on because I hadn't watched any videos of like interviews or something um, to see if they, I didn't pay attention too much at the beginning of the timeline when they left the Netherlands. So in my head, I was like, maybe they have accents or something, <laughs> but they don't have accents, but I did accidentally watch a video of them speaking Dutch. Oh. Um, they did an interview in Dutch and I thought that eventually they were going to start speaking English, but they, they didn't. And so, <laughs> uh, I watched just a little bit of that. Um, but yeah, they moved to Pasadena, California in 1962. So about probably when they were like nine or 10. Um, and they just kind of started playing music together. The two brothers did. Um, and Eddie had been really just like practicing classical musical by ear and just a lot of self-taught stuff like I think they were like maybe taking lessons but you know just getting themselves into the game um and actually it's kind of funny because Eddie is such like a well-known guitarist but he actually started out on the drums and Alex is such a well-known guitar or a well-known drummer and the, he started on the guitar and oh. so they ended up switching later which is like a great thing that they did because that's like what they're known for you know and so um they kind of found their niche early on which is great um but they they formed their first band together in 1964 and they kind of went through a couple different names um like four different names before they got to um van halen but they didn't change their name to van halen until like 10 years later um they kind of stuck on mammoth for a while and the way they got like the band started was that they started renting a sound system from david lee roth and then they wanted to save more money so they invited him to be a part of the band <laughs> and um then it just ended up working really well because you know i don't know he ended up being a pretty core part of the band then they had michael anth oh sorry his last name is sobolewski or something but is he goes by michael anthony um so i believe he was like their bassist and so he was added pretty early on too so yeah in 1974 10 years later they changed their name officially to van halen they kind of got their big break at a club and started playing um works like some other bands had started getting noticed as well and in 1977 gene simmons from kiss saw them live and helped him produce a demo tape he was like so stoked about it he was like this is it like these guys are it this is really cool um but kiss's management was like these guys aren't gonna make it and so he kind they kind of like made gene simmons like retract a little bit and be like stop caring about them and so basically someone contacted warner bros and saw them at a concert and was like these guys are it and so it just is so funny because the difference between how business transactions would happen now compared to then like someone just like talked to warner bros and was like these guys are really cool and then they went to a bar and saw them at a concert one night they loved it they warner bros wrote their info on a napkin and gave it to <laughs> van halen i'm just like the 
such a huge company was like, here's a napkin with my phone number. Like, are you kidding me? And so then they ended up making like a two record deal with them and just they stuck with Warner Bros for the entire time. And um, so that was kind of like a big moment for them to start that early on. Um, I remember uh, when Van Halen came out. Oh, really? I remember the commercials for the concert still. Oh. You just start hearing of this band. All of a sudden, it just emerged on car stereos, and that would have been around high school. Just the car stereos. All of a sudden, you know, you just knew the hit song. It was usually pretty heavy stuff on car stereos. And, you know, you probably talk about, like, Eruption, you know, that song. You'd hear that go by in the car. You know, and it was just Van Halen. I remember this commercial they were playing with black sabbath they were the warm-up act and i just remember you know just hearing it and the music uh-huh. and i just remember going wow these guys are where did they come from and oh they're just out of nowhere and they're, they're big already like, right there they? was really no like yeah and then next thing you know they're just like mega yeah yeah no yeah i mean that kind of is how it happened like from my research to just kind of seems like it just worked i mean obviously they worked hard for it but like they got to where they were going and then got that record deal and it kind of just set them up really easily um so their first album a year later reached number 19 on the billboard charts and like you said they opened for people like black sabbath and the focus early on went to eddie's guitar skills and then they really loved like david's charisma and like kind of his stage presence and stuff like those two were kind of like the headliners for it and then after that they went and recorded van halen 2 and that was number 15 on the billboard charts so they kind of kept climbing the charts was was cool they recorded it in two weeks van halen 2 and after that the next four years every album was recorded in two weeks I like, remember when Van just... Halen 2 came out. I was in personal oh, really? finan- personal finance class. Oh, how fun. In high school. And I remember these guys. Hey, dude, did you hear the new Van Halen album? <laughs> you know, and they're talking in back of personal finance. I just remember. Yeah. That. Yeah. 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 It sounds like Van Halen 1. It's pretty good. Dude. Oh, my God. You're yeah. like, well, yeah, it's Van Halen 2. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So I thought it was just really cool that they literally recorded everything all the time in just a two-week span and they were so popular like i don't know if they were rushing it or if they set themselves a time limit or they just always managed to get it done in two weeks but that was just a a trend did Uh, you listen to those albums at all did you get a chance to listen to the albums or i didn't listen to full albums Mm -hmm. i did not um i did a lot of shuffling because i just wanted to like get a gist of the band in general those two albums, you they you can tell that they were recorded in a in a close time period. They just have so many similarities. It's almost like it was one recording session. In a it might have been. And it was yeah. It was just so high. They were so on. It uh-huh. was just they were so on, and just the energy was so incredible. It's just every song was was big on those albums, you know. And uh, well, I kind of like the idea of that too. It's like if you have. I mean, if it was so on and they were so excited to record or whatever, like, I guess doing it in like one or two sessions probably was a good thing. They like kept that same energy throughout the whole album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, 
has that sound to it. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, kind of as time went on, Eddie and David's music style started to conflict. Like Eddie kind of wanted something darker and complex, which makes sense with like guitar, you know, you kind of want those solos and to dig deeper into that. And David wanted more upbeat pop, which if you've seen him live or see what, you know, his stage presence kind of has a more Freddie Mercury vibe, in my opinion. <laughs> um, that's kind of what he reminded me of when I mm. saw him. And so it makes sense as to why maybe their ideals would conflict a little bit. Um, but Warner Brothers once again went with Eddie's side and kind of went for the darker, edgier vibe. And it didn't sell as well kind of after that, um, at least like when they started going towards that. But anyways, they kind of like wanted to take a hiatus at one point. And I think they're just kind of trying to figure themselves out. But Warner Brothers is like, oh, no, you're going to put out another album. And they're like, OK, then just a random fun fact in here. They got put into the Guinness World of Records like two years later after that. It was the highest paid single appearance for a band. And then, yeah, just Eddie and David continued to have more attention. And David actually ended up leaving the band a year later. Um, They went on a 1984 tour, which was the year it came out. Um, But it was also the name of their album, which was actually like an incredible album because it had so many of their hits on it. Jump, Panama, Hot for the Teacher. And it reached number two on the billboards, like right behind Michael Jackson's Thriller. Like Mm -hmm. that That was was the competition they were up with. And it was the same year too that Eddie built his 5150 studios. And that's when I first was like, hey, (laughs) 5150. (laughs) Um, So yeah, he built his own studio. And I, if I'm not wrong, no, it wasn't at his house, but he just had his own studio and they recorded pretty much everything from there, which was cool. But yeah, kind of after this like huge portion of their life and they were like doing really well, David left the band because of there's just like a lot of musical differences and animosity. And he also had a lot of solo work lined up, actually. He wanted Mm -hmm. to be an actor and he also wanted to make his own music. And Eddie was like, are you kidding me? Like, you're going to go act. And I was like, your movie will never make it. And (laughs) I don't know. The more I learned about Eddie, the more I realized he was a little not the nicest um i'm sure he was a great guy but in terms of all this i think he was just really well, well roth was just getting my perception of david e. Roth. i remember when he came out i thought man this is a cool heavy rock and lead singer you know for a few years mm-hmm. and he kind of had that persona just this really rocking dude and then yeah. time went on he kind of became clownish you know really yeah he kind of he got more animated it's kind of i mean like Oh, the movie or not the movie, the videos, you know, off of the uh, 1984 Panama hot for teacher. What was the other uh, jump? You know, those were big time videos. Uh, And, and David Lee Ross, you know, he's pretty funny back then. And then he just kind of kept going with that and kind of getting kind of silly and clowny. And it it kind of like, Oh, the pop era, they had it right then. And then Mm -hmm. he just kept pushing it. And I remember his solo album, you know, that he got, there's another guy, Steve Vai, who's a great guitarist, but in the time he would, he kind of became Eddie Van Halen in his solo band. Mm. And, you know, you kind of got, okay, he's just trying to copy this, even though right. the guitarist is very talented and still around, but 
Um, yeah, it was just kind of the turn of the tide. He kind of got a little too much of David Ree Roth being kind of clowny and um well i would i was gonna say because you just feel like his look like i said was very freddie mercury-esque in my opinion and i felt like the vibe that they were going for was not that you know like they wanted to be rock and i think he held that persona well but i don't know so anyways they replaced him with sammy hagar which was another huge era because i feel like a lot of people when they first start interchanging people you know there's some people who don't work out in between but sammy hagar was there for a little bit too and it turned into kind of a thing of people being like did you like the hagar era (laughs) or did you like like the david lee roth era and so that was kind of up until like 1986 was the david lee roth area Mm -hmm. um he was in the band for like 10 years or yeah um and this is something that i told you earlier i'm gonna have to sort out like the eras of people because i feel like there's very definitive times of it but yeah so he kind of got added to their band from their manager the band played why can't this be love live with eddie on the keyboards and i guess their manager was just like i smell money (laughs) and so that was kind of like his intro into the band which that is like i think that's my favorite van halen song oh really i really like why can't this be love yeah there's some Uh, good songs off that first hagar album yeah and i'll get more into my interest in him but yeah he's um, he's a huge star before that yeah and i was gonna go into that but yeah he had some past with other bands and stuff too which is cool um, but they went on the 5150, I almost said 5150, um, the 5150 tour, which started their progression um, towards playing more songs that like they've created with Hagar and like starting to filter out the songs that included Roth in it and stuff. So yeah, it was a new era and a lot of their albums were going like number one on the billboard charts, but then it was kind of over the next 10 years, basically. Like I they kind of just did their thing. They're really successful, but Hagar started having tension with the Van Halen brothers as everyone seems to do and eventually like hit his breaking point and he left in 1996. So he was in the band for 10 years. So that's our Hagar area. He like ended up, he had a kid and ended up going to like Hawaii for the birth of his child. And they like, didn't have a lot of, he didn't have a lot of say in like the album. And it was just kind of like a messy situation. Like, I think they like took him off of it and I don't remember which album it was, but it was just kind of messy. Then they got back in touch with David Lee Roth and they all got together for the first time in 11 years for the MTV music video awards. But that actually turned out to be like a stunt set up by their manager. And Roth was like, I'm not joining the band again. And then there was that. And then from 1996 to 1999 was the Gary Sharon era. <laughs> and so then they pl- replaced Sammy Hagar with Gary Sharon. And that was what Van Halen 3 was. And he was the lead singer for that. But Gary Sharon kind of drove them down because he wanted more ballads and like longer songs and a little more experimental. And the more I watched, I watched videos and I wanted to compare all the singers. Mm-hmm. I don't like him. Like he was cool. He seemed like he seemed like a great artist, but didn't fit at all. Like he 
I just, there was something about him where I was like, you don't fit in here. <laughs> and I don't know, like even down to the outfits and stuff, he just would wear like black pants and a black shirt. And they're all in like these crazy rocker outfits. And I'm like, <laughs> you're not like, this is your time to shine. Like you're in Van Halen, you know, yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. It just goes very interesting. Well, to I think me. he had short hair at the time and they all had long hair still. Yeah. Like he was very yeah. clean cut. Yeah. And do, you know, do your thing, Gary, but I don't know. Yeah. So he left the band in 1999. It was a very short run. Um, And yeah, they just didn't have the same musical taste. Like Warner Brothers really wanted him in the band, but like Van Halen didn't necessarily want him there in the first place. Um, And there's a lot of music that they recorded with him that actually has never been released too. But just 2000 to 2004, they were kind of silent for a little bit. And they weren't on a hiatus as a band, but they were kind of on a hiatus from the public. Um, There's really no music release. They were still recording, but like the old members started putting out their musics together. And so in 2002, Roth and Hagar went on a tour together, which I was like, ah, the drama. And so um, they called it the song for song heavyweight champs of the rock and roll tour. And then a lot of the fans called it Sans Halen tour instead of Van Halen. And it was just basically them dueling and playing music against each other and playing songs together. And it just created a lot of attention because people were like, Oh, this is interesting. Like these two people who are not in Van Halen and, you know, had each other's spot at one point are now together on a tour. So it actually was pretty popular. And then Hagar played with a lot of people on the side too. He played with like Zoe or Zoe, uh, <laughs> Joe Satriani, which you talk about all the time. Oh, yeah. Huh. Chicken. And foot, so, right? yeah, he's played with him a little bit. He played with Journey, Dean Castronovo, Michael Anthony. Like he did a lot of side projects. So I thought it was cool. So I was glad to hear that like Hagar and Roth were kind of both thriving on their own a little bit. You know, it wasn't just all Van Halen. And this is just a common theme where the next couple of years, it was like Hagar joined them back for an album and a tour. And then like he left <laughs> and then Roth came back and then he left and then Hagar would come back. And so that's just kind of the theme. But in between all that, Eddie was starting to have a real alcohol problem and people actually started to notice. And so that's one of the reasons that Hagar left the first time was like, you guys need to take this more seriously. Like, I don't know what you're doing right now. And so um, then Roth was like, I'll rejoin the band. <laughs> and then it was kind of funny because then on the other side of things, how like Roth and Hagar went on tour together, Michael Anthony and Hagar went on tour together and called it the other half tour. And so I was just like, Hagar is just out here really just working the system. Honestly, I loved it. I was like, good for you. Then Michael Anthony just decided to completely remove himself from the Van Halen band because he just like really was not getting anything from this. And they was replaced with Eddie's son, Wolfgang, who was still in high school at the time. He, he's a great artist. I've listened to some of his stuff. But I thought it was so interesting because when they said that they replaced Michael Anthony with his son, I assumed it was someone older. But then they were like, no, he's still a senior in high school. And I was like, what? Like, that's just kind of a stretch. But 
I don't know. So Eddie, it was kind of nice that he was in the band because Eddie was like in and out of rehab for a few years. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that it was kind of nice to have at least like maybe a family member in the band to kind of keep it down. Then like Eddie was diagnosed with diverticulitis. um, And that was in like 2012. And then in 2020, uh, the most recent stuff, uh, Hagar indicated that, which this is kind of sad, but like he put out this quote uh, in May 2020 that said, until Ed or Van, or sorry, until Ed or Alex Van Halen die, they're not finished. And then Eddie ended up dying of cancer in October. And so um, I feel like Eddie had a kind of tough life with a lot of this stuff. And I didn't really get into if it was like just the way he was or if this, the rock and roll, you know, if it, what the factors that kind of played into a lot of this stuff was and I mean obviously not his cancer but but yeah no it was just kind of sad that that happened and they dismembered after that and they're kind of like you know if Eddie's not in it like there's no Van Halen and so yeah so that's kind of it I kind of sped through the end there I apologize but I was gonna say yeah I know that that end was actually probably pretty boring but (laughs) that was just kind of it it was just like back and forth back and forth like these members were doing this these members were doing that and um I actually watched a video um Wolfgang Van Halen was on the Today Show like last week and he sang a song dedicated to his dad and it was actually like really great did you see that yeah it was yeah kind of a little tear to your eye there yeah i just looked him up and then i was like oh he played like the other day so yeah so i know that how iconic he was and i remember when the news came out that he died and but you know i obviously didn't know anything about van halen so kind of makes it a little more special knowing now what i know um and he was an incredible guitarist i watched a lot of his solo videos and um you know i probably didn't even watch the highlights because there's obviously so many videos out there and stuff but from what i watched he's really great and you know i watched alex van halen too um he's an amazing drummer and i watched his like 5150 solo which was cool i thought it was interesting too though that like throughout all of this i don't think i mentioned alex once like he maybe i'm wrong but he was like completely under the radar all the drama never mentioned alex yeah van yeah i never heard an alex van ha- van halen story you knew he was there yeah. and it, you know it was, everybody knew who he was yeah he so, was just yeah. like a core part of the band who just like stayed out of it so i don't know i was i was like maybe i'm wrong but no 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 yeah that's pretty accurate it was kind of cool that even though they all switched around members and stuff, they all were still like in touch with one another to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm going to get into like my thoughts a little bit and then I'll, I'll wrap mm-hmm. it up. Yeah. But my, I was kind of comparing the three lead singers. Um, I already gave you my thoughts on Gary Sharon, just like didn't really fit in, in mm-hmm. my opinion. I love Sammy Hagar. Like, I think he's so cool. (laughs) And I like loved his stage presence. I thought he did a great job. Like, you know, there's those people on stage who like talk to the crowd and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And he did a great job with that. Like he was always talking to the band members, like introducing people. Like he just had a great interaction and I just really appreciated that. Well, Hagar. Yeah. I've seen him twice solo 
Oh, really? Oh, and he's just, yeah. I saw him with your aunt Jenny. And then we, I saw him down in Texas and at a, at a smaller mm. place. And, oh yeah, he was just back then, you know, up, it, it actually, I thought it was really cool. Cause he had a wireless mic that was new. And uh, oh, just yeah, up there, yeah, yeah. this wireless mic, you know, up on these risers, to, you know, and just singing and just, it was really good. And uh, uh-huh. he was in a band called Montrose. And actually, so he had this song called, well, Montrose's debut album that's named after their lead guitarist, Ronnie Montrose, but he was the lead singer, this new guy, Hagar. Oh. Some other guys in there that were pretty famous in rock too. They kind of flamed oh, really? it out. The band, he stayed with him one or two albums and he went off and did his own thing. And that mm-hmm. kind of flamed out Montrose. But their first album is just this power pack classic rock album and and Bad Motor Scooter. You might even have played that with Van Halen, the song called Bad Motor Actually, we used to ride your scooter. And if we weren't singing Born Born to be Wild, I, I would I would crank out bad, let's get on our bad motor scooter and ride. I don't know. Oh you, man, I don't even remember that one. I just yeah, remember that Born was, to be Wild. Yeah, yeah. But uh yeah. So we hear her bad you might look at bad motor scooter. That's a I'll have to do that. Hagar song. That's funny. Yeah, that's a classic. And so, yeah, I just thought he and, was so uh, cool. Yeah. Oh, I, I gotta go off on this for a second, but uh, space station number five. <laughs> it's called space. Is that station a good number one five. too? Oh my gosh! It's just that and bad motor scooter and rock the nation. Oh my gosh! Those are just. All right. Well, you heard it here first, people. Yeah. Yeah. Those are so the anyway, songs to look up. For go ahead. I just, if you're interested. You just got me so interested in that. So. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No. Totally. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Totally. Well, I really liked him compared to David Lee Roth. I will say. It was interesting, and maybe this is just me not knowing the band as well, but Roth's era, like his voice, it was good. You know, nobody was ever bad. Kind of gave me like Huey Lewis in the news <laughs> type heard of that sound. Comparison, but yeah, okay. I just like the way, I don't know, it was just uncomfortable. I, I can't explain it. No, not uncomfortable. Oh, okay. Just it had a, this, it had a similar sound to me. Hmm. And so then I really, I think that's what I like Sammy Hagar so much because it had that like deep rock vibe. And so it was just a lot different. And so, I mean, Roth was awesome. And I mean, he was really eccentric and I don't know, but that was just an interesting, I couldn't get out of my head. I was like, I don't know why I think this right now, but he sounds like Huey Lewis in the news. So yeah, those are kind of my only thoughts. I'm trying to think. I did think it was very interesting. Um, I was looking up Sammy Hagar videos and he's like good friends with Kenny Chesney, which is a country singer. Hmm. And they've like, like he came to his uh, Cabo Wabo mm-hmm. birthday bash in 2012. And then um, actually one of Van Halen's, I don't know why this like why Van Halen likes Kenny Chesney. Like it's just, it's so such a random pairing and I love Kenny Chesney, but they were during their like hiatus from the public. One of their first times back in the public was getting on stage at a concert with Kenny Chesney. And they like sing jump with him. Oh. And so it's just so random. And then him and Sammy Hagar like performed together during something. And then he like invited him to his Cabo Wabo birthday. And then they've just been like bringing each other out on stage ever since. Oh, I didn't know. Isn't that. that so random? Yeah, it is. I yeah. Didn't that. Like it's like it's happened multiple times. And I feel like mm-hmm. they just kind of kept it under the radar. But like hmm. I watched 
multiple videos of them like singing together. Wow. And no, so I'm aware of that. Yeah. Yeah. Van Halen and the country world colliding once again. No kidding. Uh, Did you hear about the green M and M's? The green M and M's? The green M and M story? Van Halen. What are you talking about? No, <laughs> you haven't. So they would the, in backstage they would ha- request that they have M and M's, but the mm-hmm. green ones were removed. What? Out of the bowl. They're like we want M and M's in a bowl, big bowl, but you got to remove the green ones. Seriously? Yeah, and they would do that. And so, but no way they did that. Why? It was in their contract that you would have M and M's and their stage contract for their concerts. And so they would put that just somewhere in the middle that we would like M and M's and take out the green ones. And then what they would do is see if they actually somebody actually read them, their contract. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And so if they saw green M&Ms, they that's knew they didn't funny. read it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Yeah. And they just buried oh, it in the middle. That's of it. something I would do. You and I both love M&Ms. We should yeah. do that. But yeah, I mean, well, I love that for them. Um, and that's kind of all I really have on Van Halen. Do you have, um, you said, I just want to hear a, cu- a few of your favorite songs. You had, uh, why, I can't remember the name of the Why song. Can't This Be Love, yeah. um, per usual. I forgot to write them down because I thought that I would remember them. Mm-hmm. But I do, I mean, I did like like the top hits and stuff too. But yeah. there was another one that I like screenshotted on my phone that I wanted to save. So maybe I'll post that on our Instagram or something like that mm-hmm. later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I enjoyed it. It wasn't my favorite, I'll be honest. But yeah. I started liking them once I started getting to know the people more but when i was just listening to their music i kind of wasn't really into it and then once i started watching their live performances i was like oh these guys are fun um but yeah well should we get into our guilty pleasure artists for next week yeah and i want you to go first because that will probably dictate what i do okay well i do want to preface this with i had a very hard time picking because the lot of my like guilty pleasure artists kind of already have been done like not mm-hmm. necessarily but like i probably would have given you like one direction or maybe like in sync or something but i literally sure. just gave you justin timberlake and yeah. there's a a rapper named tech nine and i like love tech nine but like nobody cares about him the way i do and i couldn't i couldn't get myself to give yeah you you would thank me later if for not giving him to you um and so it was just hard to decide like which route i wanted to go so i decided to go on someone who has some quirky music kind of like thrives off the quirky vibes but actually as time has gone on has actually made some really good music and i think has a really good just a fun person that you will enjoy researching i'm giving you macklemore oh wow yeah okay so i actually like i mean i guess this is the definition of guilty pleasure but i'm like i actually like really like macklemore yeah. like i feel like a lot of people see his music as kind of a joke because he has a lot of like joking songs and silly music but he's actually like such a cool guy and i follow him on instagram and he's just like really funny and so i think i like him as a person and then a lot of his more recent albums are actually like really great (laughs) and so you know i think you'll have fun with this one because i know that he has a lot of like 
cool music videos and yeah. he's from Seattle, Seattle guy, right? Yeah. 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 So I don't know. There's just kind of a lot of levels to it where I'm like, yeah. I think you'll actually enjoy listening to him. But like a lot of the songs too, you're going to be like, okay, this is kind of funny, but I, I, I understand that like, it's not really yeah. your genre. Well, yeah. Okay. I've heard of Macklemore. Yeah. I remember yeah. we drove by Seattle center and I think he was up there. Probably. At the time, or there was he something he was, there. He had just played a concert or something when we drove by. You were all excited about that. Oh Not yeah. That went, but yeah. <laughs> but I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who am I getting? Well, okay. So I, yeah, I've been having a hard time, but you know, I thought, oh, so I'm thinking I'm going to give you a group called the cars. Have you ever heard I've of the heard cars? Of them. Yeah. yeah. They're kind of, and especially, you know, the nice thing about that is they don't have that many albums. They got like six. Oh, thank God. Yeah. And there's, there's no big turnover of band members and things like that, but they came out and you've ever heard of new wave music. Mm -hmm. They were kind of the rock edge of new wave. People were like, have you heard the cars? Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's like this, it was right around 1979 or 80 or so that they came out and the sound was dramatically different in the rock than really anything. They were totally uh, this new sound and mm -hmm. they're kind of quirky. The lyrics are kind of quirky. If you listen to them, the uh -huh. vocals are kind of quirky. You might've heard a few of the hit songs, but go listen to, you got to do this is go listen to the first two albums. Okay. They really I want you to spend time with the first two albums. There's okay. other stuff too. They have other hits. The, and there's no, the one other album later on that was very popular with video, MTV videos too later okay. on in the mid 80s but um, so you're probably going to spend most time on three albums to be honest and uh, the first two are just absolute total classics start to finish okay and it's just this sound I haven't given you a sound like them at all and so listen to it Yay. don't put it on shuffle mode just okay, okay. don't no shuffle okay first okay. two albums and just it's fun <laughs> it's a fun sound and well, this is kind of quirky videos and just this new squeaky sound coming into the eight not squeaky but just this new new vibe coming into the mm -hmm. 80s that was way different than Van Halen or yeah sticks or journey or anything and yeah i'll tell you there's a fun fact maybe you can follow this up is that you know their music was meant for car stereos that's oh, when they really? recorded it they went and listened to it in the car and that's what we love yeah so that's yeah. the kind of music we thrive on so just go enjoy that and just kind of picture yourself in 79 hearing this for the first time Okay, well, I guess um, with your Macklemore music, imagine yourself as like a freshman in college. Um, <laughs> in, in the 2000s? That's, yeah. Okay. That's just kind of the vibe where okay. you're just like, yeah. I don't know what's going on. This is funny. Yeah. Um, that's, that's it. All right. Well, we better cool. probably go so uh, people can get uh, doing what they need. They probably got to get dinner or something like that right now, so. You know, Depends on what time you're listening to it. Exactly. Honestly. Or breakfast or, yeah. or go to work. Or whatever, whatever floats your boat. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Right. Well, hey, we'll uh, get to work here. If there's no power outages and stuff, we'll be back sooner than later. Fingers crossed. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.